joining us today at Berkeley Evangelistic Association. Thank you again for being here. We're going to be looking at our continuing study today on spiritual sickness, and we're going to be going to lesson number two, sickness and disease, from where does it come? So we'll have our opening prayer, and then we'll get right into our study. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us and for all your many blessings. Father, I ask that you forgive us of our sins where we fail you. Lord, I know that each day is a challenge. As we go through life, we try to figure out what it would be that you would have us to do today. Yet you lay before us that which you want us to uh, experience. And so we thank you, Father, for loving us enough that you are personally involved in our lives. Father, I pray for each one that's listening this morning, Lord, that you would bless them in a mighty way, that you would uh, enrich their spiritual life, uh, enrich their faith, help them, Father, to grow spiritually, to be closer to you. And Father, for anyone there that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today will be the day that they would make a commitment to accept Christ and to believe in him. Father, thank you for this ministry. I thank you for all the blessings that you bestow upon it. Father, even when the darkness comes sometimes, we hold faithfully to what you've set before us, and sure enough, the light comes back. And by resisting the temptations of the world, we continue to broadcast and to be a functional ministry. Thank you, Father, for all that you do. We love you, and we thank you for saving us through Jesus Christ. Now be with this message and be with me as I bring it that would be pleasing to you and a sweet savor unto you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lesson number two. We're going to continue with our study on spiritual illness or spiritual sickness, paying particular attention to where this sickness and even disease uh, came from. Now I've been writing and teaching a lot over the past several months or actually over the last couple of years on sin on Satan and who he is and his demons we have even addressed prayer and the act of seeking forgiveness you see there has been a long theological debate in many churches about the origin of sickness and disease now I've heard that preachers teach that sickness is a punishment or maybe a correction sent from God of course, this is based upon the erroneous assumption that just because God is sovereign, that he always gets his will done no matter what. Also, there has long been a teaching in some churches that since Paul had a thorn in his flesh, that we must endure sickness the same way with great humility. These people have concluded, again, in error, that Paul's thorn was a sickness, and thus they are wrong without reading what the Bible actually said. If you study and know your Bible, you will know that God loves us and wants prosperity for all of us. He does not want to hurt by wounding us as some portray. Now, did sickness come from God? Absolutely not. Look in the book of Job and you will soon see sin, sickness, death, despair, and disease are all the trademark of Satan the devil. If it were something sent by God, 
then we should not be trying to get healed because if it was sent from God, Paul tells us in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now saying all that above, it is true that God allows us to be sifted, as mentioned in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, where the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed uh, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. As seen in this verse, we see Jesus saying that Peter's faith would not fail, but it did. Jesus, knowing all this, says, When you, Peter, return in faith to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, you may be asking yourself, why in the world am I bringing all this into the lesson? Actually, it's simple because our faith fails and we're tested. The Bible calls it chastening, in which causes conviction, and finally returns our faith to the Lord. And when tested, and we do return, we're usually stronger. Now, I want to point out here, and this is not in this lesson writing, but I want to point out that this this particular series is called spiritual sickness. We're talking mainly about the spiritual position of a person, but it does in fact affect the physical. So I want you to, when you read it and you listen to this, please keep in mind the differences when it's speaking of the spiritual person and of the physical person. Now, Satan gets a foothold in the door we leave open, and one strong enemy against our faith is our doubt. Now, doubt represents a mental question in an area that you have insufficient knowledge or incorrect knowledge. For example, Jesus actually taught us in the Bible that healing does not occur as long as there are questions in our mind to whether healing is the will of God. Here's the lesson Jesus taught. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Here is a man that was fully diseased with leprosy. He believes that Jesus is fully able and powerful enough to heal him, but he does not know if it is the will of God to accomplish this request. This is a common point of failure to to, uh, correct Bible faith, even for today. We have countless Christians in churches today that are taught the same things. It is not God's will to heal today. God healed through the apostles, but but that passed away when they all died. I have heard many misguided men making excuses for why they have no faith, blaming it either on others or on God. They act like it was the apostles that were healing the people when it was actually God using the apostles to heal the people. The apostles were not healing the people. They were a channel for God's power through faith to heal the people. Has God changed since the apostles died, or is he still the same today? Now, come on. You know God is the same today as he was yesterday. We were taught that in Sunday school as kids and children. 
then there are ministers who are like this leprous man. They believe that God is powerful enough to heal people, so they pray, Lord, if it be your will, heal this man. Now I ask you, what kind of prayer is that? It is a questioning. See, it's a questioning. It's a doubt. Or it's a questionable faith that's full of doubt. These men who pray that, that way do not have the question in their mind answered to whether or not we can know the will of God about anything. But if that was true, then God would not have given us his word in written form. We have the basis of proof of the will of God by examining all this in his holy word, the Bible. As soon as God wrote down his spoken word in a book, in a book form, he committed himself. He has committed himself to do what he has said, or he would become a liar. And we know God is not going to be a liar. So please recall chapter 2, page 16, in the, na in the chapter of the nature of God of the book Sin and Man. In this writing and lesson, we found that God might change his mind, but he could never change his nature. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is holy, holy, holy. God can never sin. God can never lie and never go against his divine, holy, omniscient, eternal self. If God said it, we can put our strength, our love, our faith, and our trust in all that God says. Now we notice how Jesus answered this question given to him by the leprous man and see if God is telling you right now what his will is for your healing. Matthew 8, chapter 8, verse 3. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. You can clearly see the will of God for healing being revealed by the words of the Most High God. Jesus, when he was physically walking the planet, taught us, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Now in John 14, 7, if you have known me, you, have, you will know my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Jesus talking about himself. Jesus further went on to say in John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If Jesus Christ is the revealed will of God from heaven, did Jesus ever make anyone sick? Take the time and go back and reread the Gospels and notice everything that Jesus does. Write them in a list on a piece of paper, if you would like, and then know this. Is the will of God for you? If you cannot ever find Jesus making anyone sick, then you cannot ever say God made anyone sick, even if you have mistranslations in the Old Testament that say otherwise. In my knowledge of the Bible, I found Jesus only healing people after he would preach and teach. Healing must be the will of God then. Don't take my word for it. You go and reread and see what you find for yourself. It doesn't take that long to, to learn the truth if you look for it. 
And if you cannot find it in the Gospels where Jesus ever made anyone sick, then Jesus, by his words and his actions, has revealed the will of God is to heal only. Please do read this and see the truth. One religious man who graduated from a theological institute, his wife had cancer and that it came from God. This man had a zeal for God, but no knowledge of God. If this was true, I will tell you right now that I would not want to follow that kind of a God or, or that kind of a religious group. How do, how do you tell people in the world, come and get saved so God might give you cancer? Does that motivate you to want to get close to this God? Or is this a fear-based religion like Islam where you obey the law or will cut off your hands? If God gives people cancer because they sin, then let me tell you, in the United States, the cancer rate will be astronomically high. That is not a very positive, presumptive thinking. The Bible says God is love. How do you justify that he gave you cancer? You have to redefine what love is. And that is a scary way to interpret the Bible. If I love my wife so much and then I beat her up because she did something wrong, I would be thrown in jail. Yet this reasoning is okay for a God you cannot see and you cannot throw in jail. It was also very strange to me that this man's wife with cancer from God went to the doctor, received treatment. This seems to me that she would be acting out of the will of God, especially if God gave her the cancer as stated earlier. Why go to a doctor to cure cancer if God gave you the cancer? In this situation, you must ask this question according to this man's thoughts. Who was smarter, God or the doctor? Why couldn't this man go to God for healing instead of the doctor? It is simply because he thought that it was God that gave his wife the cancer, so why pray for healing? Just go to the doctor. It would appear that the doctor was smarter than God, according to the man, or this man. If the doctor wants to cure people and God does not, well, this is a major problem. People can truly be blinded by religion and not even know they are wrong. Let's go back to the beginning of our world and see what God says to us about the things that he created. Now, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Here is God's opinion of all the things that he had created. God looks at everything from the six days of creation and says, it is all very good. What does very good mean to you? Did God create Adam or Eve as a weak or a sick man or a sick woman? Did God create them with cancer and call it good? I think you can easily conclude that after creation, there was no sickness or disease present in the world. If nothing else, you can see that Adam lived over 900 years on the earth and that does not sound like a sick man at any time. In fact, you cannot even find the word sickness or disease mentioned in this book of the Bible until near the end of Genesis and into the book of Exodus. The book of Genesis covers about the first 2,000 years of human history, and there's barely any mention of sickness or disease in this time period. It is very clear to me that sickness and disease did not come from God and was not a design plan of God 
by what he created in the beginning. If you look up the Hebrew word translated as good, it comes from another word that can also mean well. If you are well, then you are not sick. If you are well, then it is good. So obviously God thinks being well is good and being sick is bad or evil. This is not rocket science. Surely you can see the truth of God's word today. Now in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 17, we find this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You see, if you believe your sickness is God teaching you, correcting you, or testing you, then you must conclude that it is something good based upon James 1.17. Is sickness ever good? Is wife beating ever good? Is child abuse ever good? If you think these are all good things, then you are confused and deceived. I do not know of anything good about sickness, but my opinion is the same as your opinion. It's worthless, to say the least. Show me a Bible verse that says sickness is a blessing from God, and I will believe it. Some do believe sickness is a test of God to strengthen us, and I believe this to be wrong also, and the Bible does not support this. God tests us through spiritual testing. That's what I was just saying earlier. This is about spiritual sickness. So we are testing through spiritual testing. Sickness and disease is from Satan. When we look back on the book of Job, we see that Satan is the one that brings destruction and sickness. Remember this world is cursed because of Satan and sickness comes from us most of the time. Now, let's look at smoking, cigars, cigarettes, pipes, so forth, causes cancer. Sunbathing causes uh, cancer of the skin. Modern medicines have side effects that cause other diseases. And this is a big problem today. Now, let's look at sexual immorality, which is a, one of the uh, top sins in the Bible, and it causes incurable diseases, and I guess we could go on and on, but I think you get the idea. Sickness and disease cannot ever be a blessing and never qualifies for being good. Sickness steals your time. It takes your strength. It removes your ability to be a blessing to others. It causes your life to be shortened. It sucks away slowly your ability to do anything positive, and your money is wasted in great quantities to get rid of it. Sickness and disease is a thief. It is a robber of your well-being, strength, your life, and substance. I do not know what else to call it but an impressive evil. We have only reviewed a few Bible verses and I can tell from this information alone that God did not send you sickness. If Jesus came to the earth to heal and cure people from sickness that God had sent on them, then that would be a house divided. So let's look at Matthew 12, 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So you see, God would have to have been divided against himself. Jesus would have been working against God and not for God. This would have been very confusing 
and does not in any way comply with the Holy Scriptures. Think with me how this would play out if true. God makes them sick and Jesus heals them? Don't make any sense, does it? The God we serve is not like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. No, the Word of God says he loves us all very much. We are the problem, not God. We are the problem. Now ask yourself, why would God will you to be sick? Do you think it might be so that he can prove his power by healing you again? That is crazy, don't you think? Why heal them if you were the one that made them sick by your will? Do you understand the problem with this confusing belief? God cannot be the same one that heals people that causes them to be sick, or God will be not be consistent and never changing. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, first part of verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. He would instead be the ever-changing God. This is not what the Bible says to us, now is it? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You can clearly read from the Bible where sickness comes from if you want to know the truth. The verse above is used many times because it contains a lot of great spiritual truth about good and evil. This verse is a self-evident claim that doing good is healing and always comes from God. Now think about it. How was the human body designed by God? It was designed with a built-in immune system that fights against sickness and disease. If you get cut or scraped, you do not have an eternal sore. Your body has a built-in self-healing machine mechanism. This was God's design plan in the action. So when you read the Gospels, did you ever see Jesus making anyone sick? Make anyone lame or maybe blind, crippled, or even diseased? Do you ever see anyone that Jesus said, it is not my will to heal you? If you cannot find Jesus, who was God in the flesh, doing these things while he was personally here on the earth, then why would we think that the same God in heaven does them the people now? Jesus clearly taught us, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So whatever we saw Jesus doing is what God does all of the time. And Jesus only went about doing good and healing. Do not make your God an evil God who goes about doing evil and making people sick unless you can find where Jesus did it. Here's where more people are confused. They allow Satan to blind their minds to the truth so that he can continue to cause sickness and disease to abide in them. The reason that Satan is only allowed by God to do what God wants. So if Satan makes people sick, then it was God's will for them to be sick. I'm sorry, but that does not compute. God does not have, nor did he ever have, a double standard for us to live by. Where did God say sickness came from in Acts 10, 38? How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power and went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. Okay, that's it. Oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. 
God clearly calls sickness satanic oppression in this scripture. The devil is clearly Satan, and sickness is from him, and Satan is not God's policeman sent by God to make people sick. Therefore, sickness and disease is satanic oppression and the direct opposite of God's definition of good. Go back and read the Gospels again and see who got healed. First of all, we'll look and we'll see you have blind people seeing, and we can find that in Matthew 15, 31, Matthew 21, 14, Mark 10, 51, and John 9. Secondly, you have leprous people made whole again, Luke 17, 17. And number three, a woman with an issue of blood, Matthew 9, 20. Four, a man with a withered hand, Matthew 12, 13. And five, the dumb to speak, Matthew 15, 31. And number six, the lame to walk, Matthew 15, 31, Matthew 21, 14, and John 5, 9. These are just a few verses to show you who Jesus healed. There are many others that are not mentioned. Let me remind you that in John chapter 21, verse 25, it says this, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. There are several verses that teach us that Jesus healed every type of disease and infirmity, Matthew 9, 35, and, and everyone present, Matthew 12, 15. So if you did not see your problem being healed, it is included in, in the uh, all other inclusive category of the type of people and sickness that Jesus healed. What I want you to notice is that God calls all this satanic oppression. If it was sent by God, then it would be godly oppression. And that is not what it, the Bible says. Neither would God have been there to heal them if he had been the one to make them sick. Now look, Luke chapter 13, verse 16. So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath here is another verifiable witness to the fact of the origin of the sicknesses from Satan. Jesus is asking a direct question that is still relevant and applicable for us today. He says that this woman is a daughter of Abraham. Therefore, she should be freed from this bondage of Satan. Think with me again and ask yourself this question. Are you a son or a daughter of Abraham? If you are, then you should also be freed from the bondage of Satan. Bondage is being held against your will as a prisoner. That's what it means. Did you know that was what sickness was? You could call sickness a spiritual jail cell, if you like, that uh, has kept you physically locked up from your freedom. It is clear to me that Jesus is saying you are to be free today, and this is why I say that. In Romans four sixteen. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed that only to those who are of the law but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. According to God, we in the church are called Abraham's spiritual children. Today, 
by our faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, what did Jesus say? Didn't Jesus say that we ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, to be freed from this bondage of Satan? When you begin to see who you are in Christ, it should begin to change your perspective on if you should be healed. According to Jesus, you should be healed even on the Sabbath. The major difficulty that, prob that people are facing today is the fact that the Bible contains two separate covenants. The old covenant was with a natural nation, which was Israel, a people. And the new covenant is with a spiritual nation of people. In the old covenant, God hid the existence of Satan largely in symbolic references, unnamed references, and in ways that allowed you to know something was there, but not always understand what it was. In the new covenant, Satan is revealed for who he is directly. Yet the majority of people today who are confused are those that are focused in only on the law of God and the prophecies of God without interpreting them using the revelations of God in the new covenant given to the church. That is a huge mistake. It is no wonder we have so many different opinions in the world. Let's ask ourselves some really basic theological questions. Number one. Which covenant are we in today? Number two, which Bible pages and verses should hold more importance to us as Christians, Genesis or Revelations, Deuteronomy or Galatians? And number three, are we under the law or we are now under grace? Too many times Christians want to emphasize the old covenant and ignore the new covenant reality. They only read things in the Old Testament that are important to them, thinking that they apply to them. I can go through your Bible and look at the verses you've underlined to see what you chose to believe is important. If you spend more time in the Old Testament than you do reading the letters uh, written to the church directly, then you are living under the law of Moses and you ignore God's grace. I would strongly recommend that you take the time to go and read Deuteronomy chapter 28 and see what God says about blessings and cursings under the law. But first, before you do this, go and read what God says about it in chapter 30. In verse 15, we see, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Now, God clearly says life is good and death is evil. These are two different perspectives of contrasting opposite events. Births are good and deaths are evil. You could also say healing is good and sickness is evil. You can go down the list of opposites and clearly see God is teaching you something you should understand clearly. Then God says this to you. Deuteronomy 30. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. It appears the choice to live or die has been placed upon humans. This goes against the sovereign predestination theory that is clearly wrong. Now go back and read chapter 28 
about the blessing and the cursing of the law of Moses. If you go and read down the whole chapter, you will see many diseases being named by name. Then verse 61, you will find this statement. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of this law, them will the Lord bring upon thee until thou be destroyed. So the curse of the law includes every sickness and every disease that is not named in this book as well as those that are named. What we understand from this chapter is that sickness is a curse and healing and health is a blessing. What did God tell us to choose? Was it not life to live? These are very simple truths found in the Bible, yet many people just ignore them. Here is a New Testament reality. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. According to God, what were you redeemed from? You soon learn the difficulty and the teachings of confused people who do not know the truth. We can very clearly see that if Christ has redeemed us, and that's past tense, we have been freed from all sickness and all diseases that were listed in chapter 28 of Deuteronomy and even those that were not named directly. According to God, he did not leave out any sickness or disease in that chapter, so that means all of them. If Jesus Christ came to redeem you from sickness and disease, then there is no way that God is sending you sickness or disease to kill you. This would again be God working against himself. I am denying the so-called fact that God sent you sickness. It is a difficult subject for some people to accept because of the things that they have been deceived into believing about God. I hope and pray that you will go through your Bible and see that uh, the Jesus who revealed the true nature of God in the gospel. Then go and read the letters written to the church about how God is love, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the mercy of God. Learn to see the real God and who he is today in the new covenant. If you want to, you can also go through the names of God given to you in the Bible. The names of God in the Bible always reveal the character of God. You will see God called Jehovah Rapha, which means I am God your healer. You will never see the, the name of God called Jehovah makes you sick. Yes, there is coming a judgment of God, and this will occur during the tribulation and the uh, time shortly thereafter, as mentioned in the book of Revelations. But do not confuse God the judge with God your Father. We must approach God in understanding. We must have a balanced approach to understanding the character and nature of God. We look at God the Father versus God the Judge, and when that day comes, we'll know the difference. You'll see. And Jesus came to make us whole so that we have an opportunity and the privilege of being called the children of God. And we have to remember Jesus came and died for us in our place so that we could have eternal life. And God loves us that much. Thank you for being with us today, and that was the end of lesson number two. Next time we'll be looking at lesson three, the cause of sin and the sickness effect. Let's have our closing prayer. 
Father, thank you for this opportunity we've had here today, Lord, to discuss this very controversial subject, Lord. I know that as people hear this and read this in, in the manuscripts, that there are going to be uh, questions raised and there's going to be disbelief and all kinds of different things said and done. But Father, I trust you to be the loving God that you portray yourself to be. And I say that sickness and disease comes from the world we live in and the sin of man as it's described in your word. Father, be with us now. Open our minds and our hearts, Lord, to receive the truth. I pray for each one that's listening today in this broadcast, Lord, that you be with them in a mighty way. Heal us, Lord, of our unbelief and help us to be better faithfully to serve you and to be close to you as your children. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. Forgive us now of our sins and where we failed you, Lord, in our disbelief. And Lord, I pray that you'll always be with us. Never forsake us, as you said in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.